Kia you with the Invisible Sensei. Um, now, a couple of things. Why do I call this podcast Invisible Sensei? Well, one, it's not because I have the power to turn invisible and allow light to pass through my molecules. No, no. Well, I wish. Sometimes I wish. Um, I call it Invisible Sensei because I think and I honestly believe that a lot of times in our lives we have... An invisible sensei and it's that invisible sensei that tells you to get up in the morning and go training it's that invisible sensei to say yeah it's winter and you really should get to the dojo put your put your gear on and run around in the cold trying to kick punch and choke each other it's also that invisible sensei that sometimes tells you uh, or encourages you to make good choices or encourages you to look at the choices that you're making. Um, and I think it's the sensei that we carry around uh, with us. It's the sensei that we don't often talk about. Too many of us have this invisible sensei that tells us not, not, shall we say, not such good things about ourselves. And that's less about the invisible sensei and more about our invisible self. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so, yeah, so my name is Tuari Dawson. I'm a Gordon and Okinawan Gojuru Karate. Uh, I practice Kobudo, I practice Yaido, I practice Jiu Jitsu. Uh, I live in New Zealand. Uh, I also practice, I'm Māori and Samoan, so I practice indigenous Māori martial arts as well. And um, I started as a small child, so I thought today what I'd do was talk a little bit about where the Invisible Sensei came from, just so you know a little bit about me. Uh, I am not, and this may disappoint you to hear, a master of martial arts, damn it, I wish that I was, um, a number of times that I've tried throwing chi balls and um, yeah I can't do any of those things, I wish I, wish I could, <laughs> so I started um, karate in, in judo in 1977, I'm 47 years old right now. 47 years young <laughs> sometimes it feels like 68 years old and um, where I started was with an uncle who decided that I needed a little bit of toughening up well I don't know if it was toughening up but he was just a really good adult and a really positive role model in my life who because of how I grew up and what was going on in my early life which I won't bore you with the details of um, it was good to get positive attention and positive feedback I guess from an adult which I wasn't really used to to be totally honest with you and um, so he had training in Ishinru Karate and uh, Kyokushin Kai and Judo so really it started just in the backyard and I remember that he would get a he pulled the back seat out of his old car and this is give you an idea how long it was and put it in the backyard and have me do breakfalls um, or use it like a, I guess a trampoline or a springboard because it had springs in it and um, just learn how to do uh, breakfalling from there and what I enjoyed about it was the freedom of movement I guess I'd always been a hyperactive kid and so it just felt like a really cool thing to do Around that time also too, I was going to a school, a good Catholic school, so I had a lot of Catholic nuns and uh, Catholic priests, Irish Catholic priests. And uh, one day I was I was late getting to the school bus and so I missed it. And I lived kind of a long way from this from my, my home. The the school was 
pretty much on the other side of the city. And when you're that age, and I think it was like five, six, something like that, and just gone to school, it might as well be across the other side of the world. So the nuns, long story short, the nuns had me wait in the school hall while they made arrangements for someone to come and pick me up and take me home. Happening in that school hall was judo. Of course, I didn't know what judo was, but I remember that the green mats, the tatami, as I later came to know they were, um, were all were spread out and there was all these people in these cool looking pyjamas rolling and grappling and throwing and doing all these things. Now I was a very shy kid and to me the fact that this huge adult, <laughs> and I was a very small kid so he, might, he wasn't King Kong size but to a five year old he's a King Kong, walked over and he had this old tattered end of a carpet looking belt on and these huge hands that seemed to uh, be taped and broken and, and and as you know people who have been in judo for a long time there's a real distinctive look to their wrists and their hands you know he came over to me and he just asked me to join he said um you know would you like to come and and have a try and 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 I remember uh, went out there and clumsily made a few attempts at some breakfalls and stuff but I just remember that initial kindness and I remember this great big huge strong looking man talking to me and that's kind of where my I guess my journey in martial arts began I was also a real dreamer as a lot of us were and of course Bruce Lee like most of us was a a massive influence I didn't actually like um, doing karate to be honest I didn't like doing judo until I saw um, my first Bruce Lee movie which was Way of the Dragon um, which I think in the States is was the big boss depending on where in the world you saw that but I just remember it was the one where he was training I was training up the back of a restaurant that he was working at and he does that beautiful uh, sidekick and knocks that guy through boxes and he used nunchucker and you know the one I'm talking about I'm sure um, and from then on, I decided that was going to be Bruce Lee. <laughs> so I went for a period of training with anything and everything. I went for a period of believing that, I, that the only thing that I could do to possibly get any better was to start um, being a ninja. Um, without actually any ninjutsu training, I consumed anything martial arts. I read, I got all the magazines, I got all the books, I went to all the dojo. And I was that pain in the ass kid who turned up not knowing much of anything, uh, but um, <laughs> a good keen man, we'll say, we'll call it. And fortunately, I ran into, later on, I ran into some really good teachers. Now, people who came at a really important time in my life as a teenager where I could have gone another way. I could have gone towards gangs and violence and drugs and so on and so forth, but they nurtured something in me. Um, and so I moved from very basic rudimentary Kyokushinkai to Okinawan Gojuru Karate, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and just like all kids, I had already started my, my self-training in Kobudo. So I had my pull cue and nunchaku that I managed to give myself a broken blood vessel on my forehead with. I used my mother's broomstick for ball. Uh, my uncle, who was my original sensei, had a pair of sai, had this beautiful pair of sai that never came off the wall, but every time I went round there to babysit, they came off the wall. 
And um, so I managed to hit myself a number of times with them. After that, I travelled a great deal. Um, I worked in the freezing works here in New Zealand and and I got an opportunity, I guess, to start travelling. And I've lived lots of different places. I've been to Asia, I've been to uh, the Pacific Islands, been to America and Europe and a whole bunch of places. And one of the things that I always did was I always took a gear with me um, and always looked for somewhere to train. Now, I've had good and bad experiences, I think, Sometimes people find it hard to believe that when you turn up at a dojo and you're wearing a white belt, um, just because out of respect and you have training that uh, you're not there. I've had people say, are you here to poach my students? I've had people say, um, are you are you here on some kind of spy mission? I've had people try and beat me up when I've come into the dojo or get really, really threatened. Um, I think it's sort of indicative of a lot of styles and I think it's indicative of believing that your approach is best. I certainly went through um, my, what I will call my Bruce Lee phase um, <laughs> and it was, you know, not, not so much the the art of fighting without fighting was the art of fighting without knowing how to fight Um, and I got a few good slap around the ears I got a few hidings I got a few beatings from people who who I started fights with uh, as a teenager and that started to teach me hopefully a little bit of humility from there I guess I started to look at things that were a little deeper in the martial arts I had an opportunity um, to travel a great deal and, and I was living in countries where or in situations where there was no dojo or no practitioners close by and so I had to get busy practicing um, you know making a makiwara and chishi and all those sort of things lifting weights so on and so forth doing whatever I could to try and keep some sort of level a lot of times I just ended up practicing mistakes that when I got back to uh, training with someone senior to me, they'd go, oh, you're doing it like that. Go, mm, 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 mm. You've really, really committed yourself to practicing that mistake. <laughs> and um, But I guess that's sort of part of part and parcel of martial arts training. Uh, I think that for me, one of what martial arts brought into my life and why I do things like this podcast um, is that I remember a scared, frightened, stuttering child who um, had very little confidence in himself, who was in a situation where there was a lot of violence and a lot of negativity around him. And I remember the people who were most important to him, people who took time out of their lives to shine a light on something really positive in me and took time to help me try and discover that. And I guess that's what I'm addicted to. I'm addicted to what martial arts can do for people and I'm also really grateful for what martial arts has done for me and that's the point of this podcast the invisible sensei is the the, the sensei not only that we have inside us but it's that sensei that you've had who works away behind the scenes um, you know that sensei you have who will pay the shortcomings in the rent once a month or you know they'll buy a gi for a family that can't afford it or they'll just take them on and train them. It's those million and one things that we that we know happen behind the scenes and that they never talk about because they're too humble. Um, that's the thing that makes people the invisible sensei and that's the kind of sensei that I certainly want to follow. That's leadership and not management. 
And that's the kind of person that I would strive to be, to try and be, to try and emulate. Am I there yet? Definitely not. Are you there yet? I don't know, you may be. The most important thing is that what we learn on that journey, our mistakes, our um, achievements, our many, many friends and family and, and friends who are like family that we meet, um, that we meet on the journey, that we remember what that's all about. And we hold those things so carefully. We hold those things so... I'm trying to find the word. We hold those things dear to our heart because that's where, that's where the real learning begins. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for having a grandmother and grandparents who believed in me, having that one person in my life that believed in me, for having some great sensei and for having an opportunity like this to speak to you. I often thought as a kid that I didn't really know why I wanted to do martial arts. But I knew, knew that it was just something I felt called to do, not because of the fighting and not because of, the, I guess, the outward elements of it. It was just something that I, I felt I wanted to do. And I was surrounded by people who also said, who would make fun of me and laugh and say, oh, you know, where's that, you know, where's that stuff going to get you? And every time they'd see me come and do the other, Whoa! And, <clears throat> and call me Mr. Chop Chop and all these ridiculous nicknames. Here comes Jackie, here comes Bruce. I'm sure you know the ones. But what martial arts, doing martial arts has enabled me to do is create friendships, to learn from amazing people, to experience cultures and languages and customs from all around the world, to travel the world to understand the power and the beauty of the indigenous martial arts that I've done since a child and how unique they are to appreciate other people's approach but mostly to understand that it's not about the sidekicks and the splits and the thises and the thats and doing backflips it's about perseverance it's about getting back to the joy of the training um, I have friends that do martial arts for a number of different reasons. I mean, I, you see with the prevalence of MMA, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of MMA. I love the approach. I love the new way of training. Um, I love the functionality of it. Um, and I try to emulate certain elements of that in my own personal training. But I also love the solo kata. I love... Um, the feel of my gear as I get it on. I love um, working on a technique that suddenly makes sense to me. I love working with a partner who um, we make discoveries together in terms of technique. I love training with children and then seeing them pick up something I've been practicing for 15 years, the first time um, just as good as me, the second time better, and the third time better than I could have ever done it. Those are the those are the things. Those that's the juice. That's where life and love and and, and the pursuit of all things martial arts makes itself worthwhile. Now, for me, that's why I love the invisible sensei. I love doing it. I love having an invisible sensei, and I love the people that um, who have been sensei to me. Most of all, my family and my friends. Anyway. 
that's a little bit about me. That's a little bit about the Invisible Sensei. I hope wherever you are, if you're listening to this, first of all, thank you for listening this long. It's a long time to talk. Hopefully you're enjoying your day in the sunshine and getting some wind on your face and enjoying a nice cup of coffee as I am. Have a listen. Beautiful coffee. Um, And enjoying the simple things and taking care of your family. Anyway, my friend, thank you so much for listening. And looking forward to doing more Invisible Sensei. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you're wanting to see a little bit more about me uh, and have a look and see what this invisible guy looks like, uh, you can find me at Yamabushi Dojo uh, on Facebook. And um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, I'm not too ugly. Anyway, take care. Enough of my blubber. Take care.